winch, wench! <laughs> hey guys, welcome to Revisit and Ruin, the show where we revisit something from our childhood and most likely ruin our memories of it. Wow! Game show host today! Oh my god. Uh, I'm your host, Max, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, CM. How you doing, CM? I'm good. A little disappointed that you didn't scream a Treyu. You know, I thought I thought of that, obviously, but it's been done. It's kind of the easy way to go. And the line that made me laugh the most was, Get to the winch, winch! So, well, it is a funny line. Yeah, so I, I chose that one. <laughs> Fuck anyone who doesn't like it. Ha ha ha. So if you haven't guessed already, we watched The Never Ending Story from 1984. This was a movie that was adapted from a book from 1979 by a German author called Michael End. Oh, that's uncomfortable for me. I think you're going to have to get over it. <laughs> Look around. Okay. That was the theme song, everyone. So, just a little synopsis of what's about without spoiling too much. A young Bastion comes to, the term, comes to terms with the passing of his mother and is tasked with fa facing life head-on beyond daydreaming. After running with bullies, he finds a hiding place in a used bookstore. There he meets an elderly bookseller who introduces him to a book which goes beyond the reader's imagination. With a powerful urge to escape reality, he takes the book, finds a hiding place in the school attic, and begins to read. We are transported to Fantasia, a world threatened by the nothing which threatens to erase their world from existence. With the childlike empress dying and unable to save them, they seek the help of Atreyu of the Plains people, a great warrior and young boy. He's tasked with finding a cure for the empress and to save their world with only himself, his horse, to carry him, and the Orion the childlike empress's necklace of interwoven snakes to protect him. Or the Orin. Or the Orin. Sorry, yeah. I mispronounced it. And so, with the fate of Fantasia in the hands of a child, the dark quest begins for the never-ending story. Yeah. This movie's dark. This movie is weird. This movie is, this is a weird movie. I, I like. I, I don't want to, you know, like, like jump all over the structure and whatnot, but yeah, it, it is a weird movie. I still like it, though. Um, what... I love it. So, so... So, first of all... You have the starring kid. It's um, the actor is Barrett Oliver. Okay, so he plays Bastion. Going through our characters, we've got this yeah. one kid in like in our world. In our world, pre I guess present day nineteen eighty four, um, played by Barrett Oliver, who was in Cocoon and get this, Disney's short film Frankenweenie. Oh my God! Yeah, that's where I know Isn't that him crazy? from. Yes, that kid is kind of our is kind of our lead. I yeah. mean, in in most ways, especially towards the end, they present him as like this is your hero, um, but he's like a loser little kid. He's kind of a fuck up. Poor kid. I mean, okay, so his mom dies. His mother dies. His father, who is, um, <laughs> his <it's, laughs> his father is um, major dad. <laughs> Which, I don't know if anybody ever watched that. I watched that growing up. That's what did, you're did you watch at? Major Dad? I was like... I'm sorry. Anybody who grew up watching Major Dad knows what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. I yeah. mean, this actor has been in a lot. But he's pretty much played the same nuance. Like that, like, stern fatherly figure. Well, the father's in it for one scene. For one scene. And they got this, like, huge actor of the time, I guess, that wasn't a lot of TV stuff. Huge actor. Well, of TV stuff, he, he was all over the place. Yeah. He still is. Um, uh, that guy, I have to give him credit. I don't know if it was the director. I don't know if it was in the script. I don't know if it was a choice by him. But I, there's no way I would have ever picked up on this as a kid. Did you see? 
uh, he, the one scene is basically like they're eating breakfast before Bastion. Yeah. Is it Sebastian or Bastion? Bastion. Bastion. I'm going to say Bastion. It's just a little British girl who says, Bastion! <laughs> um, <laughs> so like that. Bastion and his dad are, are eating breakfast before he's supposed to go to school. That Basically, the dad is like, hey, you're fucking up. Please stop fucking up. I know your mom's dead, but stop fucking up. That's, that's the scene. Um, Bastion, obviously, is dealing with the death of his mom. This guy is dealing with the death of his wife. Uh, they're telling you that he has a bit of an alcohol problem because of this. Because did you notice he put an egg in his orange juice and blended it together? I did not. He did. It's we it's a weird choice. I'm pretty sure it's kind of like, you know, the hair of the dog. Like one of those kinds of like beat a hangover kind of cure cocktail. Thing. Yeah, oh, like breakfast cocktail type wow, things. Dark. I think. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's what they're trying to tell us. I, I thought it was nice. You know, it's like it's, it's kind of you know, there are layers in this movie. That a kid is not going to get. No, as much as as much as they wanted this to be a child's movie, it's very much an adult movie. This is more. This is more of an art piece. Totally. Than anything. It's gorgeous. It makes absolutely. you think. But like anyway, so so we've got those characters. That's pretty those. much other than the bullies and the shop, the the bookstore guy. Those are all our well, real world characters. Those are the real world characters, and then the one lead that we are constantly following is Atreya, who's played by uh, Noah Hathaway. That doesn't sound like a Native American name. Oh, I guess he's not. not a Native American. He's a um, just a a plains person, which I think is a fantasy version of a Native, Native American, a Native Fantasia. Yeah, he's of the plain people. Well, he's he's of the plains because he even says he's going to. He said he could either work on this mission or return to the bulls to hunt the purple buffalo, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So yeah. So him. So we have a Treyu. We've got and then like a, a, a the An childlike embrace fantasy characters. Kind of like we have uh, for Fantasia, which I totally forgot. That's what the name of this place is. Um, so we've got Atreyu, the childlike empress, mm -hmm. and Falcor. Those are kind of main our ones. main Fantasians. We have Artex the horse, but they uh, off him pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get into it's that. Rough. We'll get into it. Um, that's it for characters for the most part. Yeah, those are the those okay. are like. The primary characters. All the other ones are so many like small little things here and there. Yeah. But to the point, did you watch this as a kid? Okay, so I definitely saw this as a kid. Um, I don't think it was exciting enough for me to want to go back to over and over again. Okay. If, if I remember correctly, because it is a little slow. I was fighting off sleep a fair amount during the movie. Um, every so often, music pops in and out. Otherwise, it's very quiet, and I, so I can't imagine this kept my attention that much as a kid. It's very quiet, but it, uh, you know what it is? It's quiet and it's very scenic. It's yeah. very Lord of the Rings before Lord of the Rings. As far as like showing someone traveling over a mountain, going through the desert, here's a little segment of uh, completing a mission, and then they're traveling again. You know, it's very Lord of the Rings in that way. Look around. Da -da 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 -da. Let's continue. Okay. Where are we going? So, from there, so you, um, so we're going to go into general things just about the story, step by step. We'll talk about how we feel. Step by right. step. Keep in mind, I'm the one who loves this movie. I have a lot of fond memories, and Max really doesn't give a shit. No. <laughs> I just want to make this more interesting than we loved it. No, that's true. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. So continue. Let's let's lead so the way. So first things first. Um, if there was any doubt that this was an '80s film, you know right off the bat when that opening starts. Oh, yes. I mean that '80s oh. theme song. Work 
work girl. <laughs> work those pipes. Like, there's got to be music video out there that I haven't found. There has to be. Yeah, you mean like behind the scenes of this woman in the studio, and they're like, no, make it like more... Um, what's like, what's the style of... How would you describe the style of that theme song? Um, I would say... Uh... Mediocre at best. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa, judgment! That is what? not what I was going Did for. Did you not ask? Oh, no, I said, like, the style of oh, the, the voice. Oh, the style. Not your oh. judgment of this, this woman's voice. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Sorry, was that harsh? Yeah! Wow. Mediocre at best? I'm sorry, I have strong words. Sometimes I don't mean what I'm saying. This woman has the voice of an angel. She has a pretty voice. I'm gonna give you that. Why is she mediocre, CM? Okay, maybe it's the song. And and the fact that she only sings, like, five notes. Ugh. You're, dun, dun, you're, dun, dun, you're the dun, worst. Dun, 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 you're talking about, you're like, you're talking about how I didn't give a shit about this movie. You just started off by talking about the song is mediocre. I, I'm sorry, okay, so if I were to compare it to the Page Master song, I would much rather listen to the Page Master song on loop. Ugh. I hope everyone listening to this podcast just writes you off after that comment. They're like, he's he's horrible. I hope that Max replaces him. What with Yoda? With Yoda. With Yoda. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. So Yoda's just like. <laughs> we get this theme song. There's a lot to go over with this movie, so yeah. we should try to keep a pace. So stop, one. stop it, Max. That's my job. All to right. show that so, I give a shit. So now we have like the classic bullies. They've chased him into a garbage can. He runs into a bookstore to get away from them. This old creepy guy is like, hey, this book is really dangerous. Maybe you shouldn't touch it. Oh, side note. We find out Bastion is like avoiding all his problems. That's oh, kind totally. of his main thing. He's scared. Point. He avoids his problems. Yeah. They don't want to address anything. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. So bookstore. So he ends up stealing this book. Slash borrows leave, leaving book. a note saying, um, I will return your book, essentially. Yeah. And the bookstore owner is like one of, you know what's He's funny? He's very page master. Well, no, no, no. But you remember our comments about Christopher Lloyd and the page master where yeah. it's kind of like uncomfortable. He's a little too aggressive. Yeah. I like this guy. He's a better balance. Yeah. This guy is kind of like a bit of an asshole, but like. You can tell with a heart of gold, you know, he's like, oh, I don't like kids, you know, your fancy video game contraptions, you get it down the street, you don't know books. He goes, with your beep, beep, beep. Yeah, with your beep, beeps. And <laughs> and Bastion's like, I like books. I read 20,000 Leaves and see. Lord of the Rings. The he goes through a whole slew. Yeah, of, something like, else. A whole list. And so the guy's like, wow. And then, so whatever, he's like, he's like, you can't read this book, it's too dangerous. And, and of Bastion's course now he's like, interested. Yeah, and, and then he goes to like pick up a, a phone call, and you know he really wants Bastion to steal this book, but he borrows it. So he borrows this book, gets to school late now because he's been running around doing shenanigans. Wait, can we do a tangent? So like we're going to talk about, about this what? as we go down the plot. What's the, the bookstore owner? What about him? Who do you think the bookstore owner is? What do you mean? In the story of itself? Like, Just kind within... of like who he is, obviously. Uh, so You think he's a bigger role than what the movie Well, I portrayed? personally... Keep in mind, we have no reference to the book, guys. Other than maybe a few facts that I've found that I'll talk about later, I, I've never read the book. Well, what we kind of come to realize is Fantasia, the world kind of in this book is uh, uh, kept together and created by like the dreams and hopes of um, humanity, but also kind of like centers on a person as almost a conduit, which we find out eventually happens with Bastion. Spoiler Who reads alert, the book. going to the end. Yeah. My idea is that this dude, the bookstore owner, is kind of like 
Bastion is in a way taking over for him. Hmm. Um, because you kind of, it's this idea of like a world, every world is supported by a different one. We find out that like our world, you know, theoretically, like someone is reading Bastion's story and it's the same Correct. exact thing that's happening. Yeah. So I think that the conduit for, or like almost the guardian of this world is this bookshop owner and he knows that Bastion is going to be there and he knows that he is the one to take over for him. I like that idea. That's my idea. I like it. That's how I feel. I like it. Did you have any ideas or you just liked him as like a, a bookstore owner? I liked him as the bookstore owner. I was happy with him just, you know, alluding to this powerful book that he happens to have in this used bookstore um, and that this little kid takes it. Um, I don't necessarily need more than that. If I were to flesh it out, I probably would have changed it slightly and said that this was a book that he inherited from mm -hmm. his mother when she passed away. And it's a book that's been sitting in his room that he hasn't wanted to read because he doesn't want to, um, he doesn't want to confront the, the death of his mother. But so he ends up starting to read it and he's confronting, you know? I mean, to be fair, that kind of makes more sense. One, it makes it more uh, intimate. Story doctor. Hello. <laughs> See, I'm just story doctor. You need him, you got him. Read <laughs> in a ruin at gmail.com. Um, uh, it makes it more intimate. It also kind of explains like why Fantasia is, is ending because like their conduit is dead correct has been murdered and that's by why he has to get through this book to save these yes. people to save the memory of his mother and to confront like there's yeah. so many but, like a so much deeper level but to you know make it so we don't have like the skywalker thing going on where everything happens oh. because of this one family yeah it's cool have a bookshop owner you know like give like give a uh, full status to like the world of literature yeah. in a way you know yeah. full respect yeah. so we're in fantasia Oh, the kid goes to school. He goes to and school. He, he bails. Reads the book. He bails. He's like, "Oh no, a math test!" Yeah, he's like, "Freak it!" And Let's he just go. he escapes to the attic, which I guess he's been to before. He knows like, yeah, how to get into the attic. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. So then he starts reading the book. Enter Fantasia. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. So we're introduced to like funny little creatures, funny creatures, um, and the first thing I notice is that Teeny Weenie, who's played by um, what? Teeny Weenie, there's a character named Teeny Weenie. Is that the guy who played um, the Oompa Loompas in the new... Deep Roy, yes. His Oompa name is Teeny Weenie? The character's name is. That's a terrible his name. His real name is Deep Roy. He okay. played... Uh, I'm, I'm glad his real name yeah. in real life is I not mean, Teeny Weenie. This, this um, small actor, short actor, I, I don't, don't know how he, to... I don't think he's a dwarf. I just I don't think, think he so. is of small stature. Yeah, but he's done a gazillion things. Yeah. He's, he's done a lot of the Star Wars films. He did the, the new Star Trek due to Abrams. He's that little creature that runs around with Scotty. Um, he was in The Return to Oz, um, which we'll probably do at some point because I am obsessed with that movie. He played the Tin Man in that. You know what's one thing he did not do in this movie? Talk. Talk. Well, he talked at some point, but you he didn't tell. do his own lines in the final version. So it turns most out... most people are dubbed. Yeah, movie. most of these people are dubbed. And I think it might have been that this film was produced and all the Fantasia stuff was filmed in Germany. Yeah, they're all foreign actors. So you can all of them are foreign actors, which are all fantastic, mm -hmm. but they're all dubbed with American voices. And overall, the voice acting is good. The one that really pulls you out of it is just Teeny Weenie. Because he, he's an older guy, but they have this like young, youthful voice coming out of him. So, and I didn't catch it as a kid, so credit to them, I didn't catch it. But sitting there today, watching it, 
I was pulled out for a second. I was like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, but then along with him, we've got like Hobgoblin and Big Hob Rock Dude. You probably only care about Big Rock Dude because that's who does. you kind of remember. Everyone does. Yeah, Big Rock Dude. He's great. Um, yeah, those are those characters. They're almost, they're super not important. They just introduced the idea that there's this nothing, which is like this force that's coming through and ripping their world apart, and that they have to go seek the help of the childless empress. The childlike empress. Childlike empress. Childless empress is Sorry. really sad Oh my gosh, movie. why did I say that? Yeah. Childlike empress. The barren empress. The barren, oof. That'd be it. That was actually the previous title. They were gonna go with going to go with that one first. very dark panel. Yeah, but they decided, let's just make her childlike and not like... Baron. Baron Empress. The Baron Empress. Yeah, the Baroness. <laughs> the Baroness. God. Anyway, and then... Uh, so they go to seek her help, but it turns out she's sick. So she's useless. Yeah. So she's useless. They seek the help of a young... Or not young. They're seeking the help of a warrior from the um, the plains. And it turns out it's Atreyu, who they find out is a child. Enter Atreyu. Atreyu. Master of the Purple Buffalo. Yes. Um. So, yeah, Atreyu is... Um, a pretty boy who obviously hasn't worked a day in his life. I think <laughs> I think he did a good job for a young actor. Oh, so we're go- we're just gonna dive in because if not, this movie there's a lot to yeah, talk we, about. We almost the movie, can't go into detail. Like we spent this way too much time on would be, Yeah, this podcast would take three hours. Too much on ending. So I try you. It would be never ending. Never the never ending podcast. Um, I try you. Stop it. Betray you. Um, I want to say this about both him and Bastion. They are really good child actors. They're great. Um, Atreyu is good. Bastion mm-hmm. is great. The childlike Empress, though, is phenomenal. Oh my God. That where she's just staring. Dr- you know how Anne Hathaway got um, won an Oscar for Les Mis? Yes. That performance was done by the chi- this girl as the childlike Empress. Years ago. Years before. Directly into the camera, losing it. And you know that the actor probably wasn't there across from her. She was probably just acting to the wind. She was, no, she was staring directly into a camera. Into the camera, but what I'm saying is without Bastion actually being there. Yeah, no. Because the idea is she's speaking to him from afar. They, they didn't need him. They yeah. they can't deal with the, the child laws with filming and stuff. She's <laughs> directly into a camera. She's phenomenal, this girl. No, she is. Like, she has a regal sense about her. Uh, uh, she, she just catches <clears throat> the emotion. She almost, like... I don't think Atreyu really... I'm glad he's surrounded by, like, all these creatures and, like, people and prosthetics and stuff because I don't think Atreyu really, like, sells the world so much. He doesn't sell the world. He's basically, like, he's a white kid who's been dyed. Oh. I mean, like, honestly. Like, he doesn't feel like... He's, like, in tan face. Yeah, kind of. Doesn't he... I mean, his name is, like, what? Noah Hathaway or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it is Noah Hathaway. Yeah. I'm... I'm wondering what his background is i don't know if it's like native american he just kind of looks like like a white kid who has been like died down okay i don't know that's me he doesn't i'm sell not the gonna go into the race of this kid Bastion's obviously <laughs> like a white kid and then you've got the empress he well he was he's la born he's an la kid yeah of course yeah so anyways so he goes on this mission with him and his horse she says he has to leave all his weapons she gives him why <laughs> Why? Because it's not her. It's it's her like assistant or her like advisor. Or yeah, something. the advisor says you can go with no weapons. With leave the, them all with a fucking labial fold on his head, just like it, one single labial fold. I would fold. say it looks like a fish fin. Okay, 
That's what I thought as a kid. I was like, maybe he's half fish. Well, I think it's labial. But Anyways, that's me. I, I'm guessing it. We're not going to go into tangent about his hair. Stop true. it. True. Anyway, You're doing tangents. I am doing tangents. It's going to be hard not to. Stop. But that said, why does he have to leave his weapons? That's so dumb. Because, okay, what we find out in the end of the film, and I'm going to defend it, <laughs> is that the childlike empress knew what his mission was. His mission had nothing to do with protecting his physical body. He just it, had to suffer. Yeah, it was kind of the the out, a means to an end. Essentially, that was his mission, and we're gonna get into it towards the end. Okay. But like, I have huge issues with that. Okay, so he goes on this mission, and one of the first things, um, he goes across lands and lands and lands, but he ends up in this swamp land, which is a beautiful idea of that. If you it's give swamp into, of sadness, swamp of sadness. If you give in to the darkness of your surroundings, you start to drown in it, which is a beautiful image. Yeah, I'm guessing they could have figured that out by the title of Swamp of Sadness. I'm gonna punch you in the neck, <laughs> and it's gonna be CM host co-host. <laughs> I wonder what happens in the Swamp of Sadness. <laughs> um, yeah, and then... So Artemis, his horse. Artex. Artex, I miss, ugh. Yeah, well, you know, maybe don't get violent. Artemis, I like that just though. Just pay attention to the movie. Um, Artex. Artex. Artex, are you sure? Yeah, I'm positive. Mm. So, he starts to drown. And uh, we lose his friend. Yeah, so I remember this really moment sad. being sadder than it was. Um, I more just got enraged at the fact that, like, this kid was pulling this horse. So this horse he had was to get him out of the mud. Yeah, but the horse is obviously, like, struggling. I'm not talking about, like, fantasy world. I'm talking about, like, filming. Uh, this kid is just pulling on this horse's neck, and, like, the horse is baring teeth being like, stop fucking pulling my neck. Oh. And doing it over and over and over again. So I was more distracted by that. Well, would it make you feel better to find out that actor got hurt in that scene? No. Atreo, like, he got hurt. Are you on asking the... if it would make me feel better feel if better. a child got hurt on this <laughs> set? Instead of the horse. Along with the horse? <laughs> no, instead of the horse. No, it wouldn't. Well, here's the thing. Atreo got hurt during the filming of that scene. The elevator gave out and he, had, and he fell through the... The, elevator. The, there is an elevator that the horse is sitting sitting on oh. to make it look like he's drowning in the swamp. And during the filming of it, um, where yeah. Treo's going down with him, trying to pull him out mm -hmm. at some point, he goes down, the elevator gives out, so he goes under, and he actually lost consciousness, the actor. Wow. Isn't that crazy? So they pulled him out, and, I mean, the kid probably could have died, let's be real. But, yeah, fun fact, found that online. Wow. It would actually betray you that kid. He almost got did. hurt a couple of times. He there are other points in the film. End up dying. They replaced him. Luckily, he had a twin, and they just replaced him with him. What? No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Wouldn't that be, was a wouldn't lie. Wouldn't that be weird? Wouldn't that be crazy? That would be weird. Anyways, tangent. Uh huh. I'm just going to start saying oh, tangent. Yeah, so honestly, the horse uh, dying or getting drowning is not as sad as you remember it being. I thought it was still, but it's because I have the image in my mind of the film when I think about it. One, Atreyu on the horse. Two, Childlike Empress with like the glowing light. You have Falcor, of course, the dog dragon. But then you have Atreyu. I had this image just weaved or like etched in my mind of Atreyu looking in the camera, like the other actor later on, the Childlike Empress doing, pulling on the horse's, um, what do you call it? Not leash, but... Uh, uh, reins. Reins. Yeah. And screaming the do the horse's name, and I, I'm sorry, I got a little teary eyed today. Yeah, you got teary eyed watching this kid with fake tears on his face that look like like oatmeal pieces. What? Like, did you notice that? Like the fake tears they put on both Atreyu and Bastion, they like they're they're like have like too much chunk in them. They're it's weird. It's, it's probably like, because they were like glistening pieces of like hot glue yeah, that they just tacked onto the kids, and the lights catching it. It's super strange. Like they're obviously not crying. 
You know who is crying, though? The fucking childlike empress. She's that actually crying. That bitch selling it. Holy <laughs> shit. Anyway, so that, that moment's not that sad. You got emotional. Yeah. I did not. I was like, oh, thank God this is over. So, so we lose the horse. During this whole point, we find out that there is a dark wolf of some sort after Atreyu as well, but that has never explained who or why. Yeah, like the Grimmock or something. Yeah, like he's on a mission to stop Atreyu in his mission, and but we don't ever see the connection of the wolf to the nothing. So that's something that I miss. And it's probably explained in the book. We also just see the head, so that was another thing that caught me. He's always, like, in shadows, peering, and it's like, okay, he doesn't have body. Or when he's running, it's just the neck. Yeah. It's like, obviously, he doesn't have body. Yeah. We get it. (laughs) Stop showing him. (laughs) So, so he's, he's, goes on this mission, and uh, there's so much on the mission. What point do you want to start from now? Because, literally, this kid goes through a lot, and we could never ending let's just let's just kind of do like little cliff notes version so like point one uh first he finds this giant turtle yes the ancient turtle you know uh i'll I'll give them credit they actually add a lot of character to these like creatures Mm -hmm. in a very short amount of time um turtle's like i'm allergic to youth and he keeps sneezing it's very funny uh the design's cool too and the puppeteer the the puppetry and the um the uh, mechanics in there very good a lot of the special effects in this film deal with size like, small and large throughout the entire thing, and it's pretty seamless yeah. for its time. Turtle's basically like, oh, I know how you help the childlike empress. You go to the Southern Oracle. She's 10,000 miles away, nerd. <laughs> that was funny. I, I actually quite like that. So um, he's like, crap, how am I going to get there? Yeah, he's got a horse. And becomes sad and starts to drown in the swamp. Yeah, totally. He's drowning. The wolf almost gets him. Enter Falcor. Woohoo! Another one of the, you know, most well-beloved characters in this movie. Oh, absolutely. Um, And then we get to kind of his next piece of his quest. Yes. uh, Which is the Southern Oracle. Um, We meet these... um, Elven-like people? Possibly my favorite characters in the movie when you kind of pair them together. Because, okay, so I'm sure you guys, if you like this movie as a kid, it's this um, uh, elderly couple... Very Princess Bride. Exactly. Very Princess Bride, (laughs) but like miniature. They're small people. Um, The husband, the old man, is a scientist. The, uh, I think, wife, Wife, old woman, is a witch. And it's such a, it's a cool little element just to say like, this is a couple, one is magical, one is scientific. And they bicker and they argue, you know, but they love each other. They care about each other. Um, Really like them. Uh, get to the witch, get to the winch, witch, wait, get to the winch, winch. Oh, now you get to the winch, winch. I got uh, it the first time, but that's all I so, give a shit about. So the little scientist introduces Atreyu to where he needs to go, which are these massive sphinx arches that shoot lasers from their eyes. Yeah, it's And very... if you're not courageous enough to get through it, and you let your nerves and your fear overcome you, then they attack you and you die. Yeah, it's very much influenced by, like, the, the riddle of the Sphinx. Yes. You know, it's it's super uh, uh, referential to that. Yeah. Um, I don't think as a kid I noticed the Sphinx nipples as much as I did in this. The Both Sphinx statues Were have graphic. gigantic boobs. Like, like, for a children's movie, I was sitting there going, what? And, like, you kind of notice it because at first, uh, Treyu and this little man are um, looking at the Sphinx statues uh, from a little bit above. They're, like, on Correct. a cliff overlooking so it's okay. it. The problem is when you get later on and they the camera is doing the view, like, what a Treyu sees. And he is obviously much smaller than these statues. So it's so an angle So he's looking up. up and you just see, like, Cleavage. boobs. Nipples and all. 
they're just just giant sphinx stone sphinx boobs and it's like okay that's cool we don't it's a kids movie it's a kids movie so I why it's would a kids you, movie I, it has it's to supposed be to be and I, I just why did they have to do not that? to be a narc about it but it's just like Okay, and they're okay. beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Like the Sphinx, that whole imagery, all that stuff is gorgeous. I just was sitting there going, as a kid, do I remember seeing nipples? Yeah, I don't. I, don't I didn't think remember so. that. Like as a kid, I I, I, I don't know. There's one person listening to this podcast who's like, I remember that. Yeah. Absolutely. And they're the one with the leather bound limited edition. They're going to the, the furry convention. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the trial is uh, you have to know your worth. Um, what I kind of liked about this moment is Atreyu gets to the Sphinx statues, he's cool for a moment, and then all of a sudden he starts doubting himself. The Sphinx eyes opens, they're about to like roast him with their laser eyes, roast and he him. literally just dodges, he just jumps forward. So and he, he really didn't, he didn't really complete it. He just dodged no, it. No, totally didn't. Um, you ha- you see a guy uh, like basically get roasted before Atreyu tries it, and it's like, dude, maybe if you weren't on a horse, you literally could just gonna run through it. Just like Atreyu did. Yeah. Why Any one of those guys. Get off your horse. Yeah. How are you? How has no one completed this? Yeah. Um, and then uh, the the second trial of the Sphinx the or mirror. the Seven Oracle is you need to basically like face yourself, which I don't think he really does. He like he's in a snow world all of a sudden. He He's, sees a cave. He sees the image of Bastion. He sees the image of Bastion, and it doesn't really make any sense. Because, like, why why do you see Bastion? Is is he who you are? You're two separate people at the end of the movie. They never, yeah, they never ex- drew a line between Bastion and Atreus, so you're not sure if they represent each other or if they are just two separate characters. You know what I... And that mirror thing really confused it. The mirror thing makes no sense when, when they tell you, like, you are facing <clears throat> yourself. You know what would have been better? What? Uh, eventually, Atreyu runs into this this wolf creature... What would have been awesome is if you find out when all of a sudden the wolf creature and Atreyu are talking to each other, if um, you find out that he's still in that second trial, because he doesn't really do the second trial. It no. doesn't go anywhere. You find out that he's still in the second trial. The wolf is actually his doppelganger. They are connected. That's been chasing him? That's all his doubt. Oh. Yeah, that's like, that's everything, all of like the, you know, this evil inside him. That's and a he beautiful has to come idea. That. Look at you. But of course they didn't. They didn't do that. No, it's just a wolf. Yeah, it's just a wolf. You could have gone deeper with that because there's no, it's not satisfying the end of that wolf yeah. creature. And then when he defeats the wolf there, then it's... He, you know, he he purges that part of himself yeah. and it deals with like his hopes and dreams because wow. that's such like an undercurrent of this movie. Look at you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like it was so, that's, <clears throat> again, like kind of, I think this movie is good. It's not amazing. It's not as amazing as yeah. people make it out to be. So we get through the second trial, I guess. And then he finds and the, the oracles and... Who they, are recycled sphinx from the first round. Yeah, yeah, no, no, even All they like did was design. put a blue glow over them yeah. and make them deteriorate. And they tell Atreyu that he needs to find an earth kid yeah. who needs to give the empress a name. And that's it. And that's it. And throughout this point in the movie, now Bastion is starting to get the sense that they're talking about him. Yeah, he's like, what? That, that can't be. It can't it's a be. book. Yeah. Every time they show him in the attic, he's what? like, no, it's no. It's a book. He's like tweaking out. Yeah. Like if he were high. He's definitely <laughs> tripping balls. That's actually like, something. Holy shit. That's something else I want to get into at the end of the movie. Yeah. But there are a lot of moments where you're like, Bastion has some problems. He needs to be committed. Yeah. He needs to be on medication. Well, at this point, too, so he finds out he's supposed to give them a name, and the first thing he thinks of is his mother. Yeah, they have a little, they stick in a little moment where it's he's like, my like, mom had such a beautiful name. They don't tell you the they name. They don't tell you the name. Um, <laughs> Atreyu then 
How does he go... What happens after? What do you mean? After the Sphinx. So it starts. everything starts to deteriorate around him, and so he ends up screaming um, for Falcor, and then Fal... Oh, Falcor and him are about to go, are trying to get to the... Uh, Back to the Empress to let her know what the deal is. And then they, uh, the then world Atreyu's like, "Hey, go faster, Falcor!" And then they have like a really long moment where they're just like going fast, showing Fantasia, which da, just na, na, looks na, like Colorado. No, no, no. And no, I mean, it kind of it's yeah. the mountains, and then there's like also a desert. It's uh, whatever. It's, I don't care. It's fantasy. Um, <laughs> and then like split second, the nothing is there. And it's destroying everything. I was confused because we paused. I had to use the bathroom. And when I played, all of a sudden it was like darkness and like storms and stuff. And I was like, what happened? It was happened? like shit hitting the fan. Yeah. The, the floor is getting tore up. Like the whole place is exploding around them. They get separated. Um, Atreyu, th- this was kind of strange, this okay. whole moment. So Atreyu finds himself on a beach. He uh, comes back to consciousness. He's been separated from Falcor. Falcor is looking for him. Mm-hmm. He runs into the rock creature. The rock creature has a really beautiful moment where yeah. I, I can't even believe they have this moment in the movie. He looks at his hands and he just starts off by saying, like, these are, you know, strong, capable hands. I always thought they were strong, capable hands, but I couldn't hold on to my friends as they were swept <clears> away, <throat> away by the nothing. Genuinely, I think that is possibly the best scene of the movie. It's when really you're talking pretty. quality and just, like, emotion, you have this giant rock puppet just conveying this like mm-hmm. utter sadness and like and complete failure in himself to the point where he's like i'm just gonna let the nothing take me away i'm you're just like oh my god that that <laughs> guys the artex moment where the horse gets drowns is garbage it oh is not a good moment it's it's total bullshit the horse is being pulled and abused total bullshit moment this moment that's the moment that's the one this is fight the me on moment. that. You fight me on that, bro. I'll I'm not. I, I don't disagree. I think there are a lot of beautiful moments. That's why, for me, for it being a child film, there's a lot of sad moments. Whether we thought they were well acted or well scripted or developed in the film, there are a lot of moments where it's not very happy for a children's film. No. The happiest moments are when he's flying on Falcor, which is probably why so many people love Falcor, because they're the happiest moments of the film. <laughs> but a lot of it is dark. Yeah. In fact, I would almost say that the Falcor moments where he's flying around do not fit this movie whatsoever. Falcor, to a point, doesn't fit this movie. He just, he's a means to an end. He, he gets him across 10,000 miles. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Um, oh, so then uh, Atreyu goes into, so this is the weird part. Um, I think that he goes into the, the castle where the childlike empress is. Are you talking about... Well, oh no, wait a They're minute. They're flying and everything is destroyed around them. But he goes into a structure where there are like like mosaics of his story. Oh yeah. That's that is it's interesting. Well, you know, maybe not. I'm gi- I'm giving that too much. But they never go into mm, it. They never like I think it's deeper because basically that whole moment is just set up um where he starts seeing like images of his story. Mhm to kind of get you to the wolf. Yes. And the wolf basically tells him the reality of this world. Yeah. This world is, is just a story, um, uh, or it's created by the hopes and dreams, the stories of humanity. And so they are all just characters. And like that, I like that about the wolf, but in the end the wolf was just like, he was he was just an underling of the nothing or the, the, but the only creature one. behind the nothing. I don't know. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Um, and then, yeah. like, Atreyu kills the wolf really easily. Yeah, I, I was super disappointed by that wolf character. 
You want him to be more, but he just isn't. Yeah, I think if you're doing, like, if, if you are doing this movie nowadays, you add way more importance to that wolf because it's a striking image. Mm -hmm. you, you don't remember the nothing because it's just like a storm cloud, in essence. Yeah. You remember the wolf. I thought the wolf was a much bigger part of this movie. It's not. It's not at all. It's not. It's just like it's a footnote. Yeah. You know? Um, uh, what else? So, we see Labial Head, the advisor, show up again. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, what happens next? So they end up going back to the Childlike Empress after everything is destroyed. Oh, yeah, they the make whole it world back explodes. To everything, which is a beautiful image in the film. I love the, the image of Falcor, this symbol of happiness with the sad Atreyu on his back, and just flying through space essentially space and time with just fragments of their world left behind and the means to an end moment where he like picks up the pendant and is just like please lead us to the childlike empress's you know yeah and it glows and then rock just moves and they're there and they're there <laughs> they're like oh yeah right there he so like if he had three wishes he probably just wasted one because it was right on the other side of that rock yeah though unlimited it's unlimited wishes we find that out after Anyways, um and then so he gets there yeah. to the childlike empress and the Oscar-winning young lady, according to Max. <laughs> I'm not... Well, if you gave Anne Hathaway an Oscar for Les Mis, then yes. The Oscar-worthy Oh, there are going to be some mad people. <laughs> I dreamed a dream of not giving a shit. Oh, Lord. Um, yeah, and then we find out basically the, the biggest joke of this movie. Atreyu, his only purpose... He's not really our hero character. His only purpose was to suffer as kind of bait. For this kid. This is a very Wizard of Oz moment where at the end of the movie you find out all this was almost for no reason. It, like you go on this journey and it's not the it's not contributing to the end result at all, other than something that's inside them. But nothing physical that actually solves their issue. Nothing. Like even, it was all dependent on this child that's been reading the book the entire time that could have said hero. her name at any point. Yeah, and he didn't even. He was just like, My mom had a pretty name. <laughs> yes, and um, no, Atreyu even gets pissed off. He's like, what? I don't have to do any of this shit. He does more yelling. I, 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 I'm not going to play any part in this. Yeah, Atreyu <laughs> yells a lot in this movie. Yeah, he screams, and then, like, Bastion flips his shit. He finally shouts a name that we don't hear. It's completely inaudible. You just don't know what he's saying. Question, what is the name that you were thinking? I laughed in my head. I mean, I, was I like, know hey. what it is. Oh, it actually is a name? There is actually a name that he screams, but you can't tell. Like, there is actually blogs online of people discussing what that kid is saying at the end of the movie. I was just hoping it was, like, Susan. The child, like, Empress Susan. I was Susan. laughing inside because I imagined, like, Barbara. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, Barbara! Your name is Barbara! Susan! <laughs> Susan! <laughs> but it's not. And it's def it definitely could not be his mother's name. Side note, so, shout out to all the Susans and Barbaras out there. Yeah, right? Girl, Bar yes. keep the dream going. Keep it alive. You're an empress in your own world. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, and so then Atreyu goes away. But no, but the name that he's screaming is Moonchild. Wait, that's the mom's name? It can't be. So I have to, okay, so I have to read the book now because I don't know. Wait. There's probably somebody dying out there that's like, I've read that book. I've seen that movie, which Wait. I respect. I've done the same thing with Lord of the Rings. I've read the books and seen the movies, but I have not read this book yet. Supposedly, the childlike empress's new name is Moonchild. Wait. But that has nothing to do with his mother. It can't because be that his mother's name was Moonchild unless she was a hippie. Because if it was, then you've got Bastion the kid, Ed the husband, and Moonchild. 
It just doesn't make sense. Oh, these are the Johnsons. Ed Johnson, Bastion Johnson, yeah. Moonchild Johnson. Yeah. Uh, so here's the thing. Let's we're gonna, we're gonna. So that's basically the end of the movie. The child saves it. Okay, like everything by screaming her name, which is a beautiful thing. This is where it slightly derails in its ending and conclusion, and where I sit there and go, why would the most important moment be so inaudible in this movie? Uh, like, they couldn't have, like, they literally have all this pouring rain um, coming over him as he's shouting out this broken window of his school and screaming the name out into the world, but you can't hear what he's saying because there's a storm raging. They couldn't possibly stop the thunder for two seconds to hear the name and then have a lightning strike? In the end, no matter what he says, it's not going to live up to, like, creating an entire... In essence, it's like the word of God, right? Which, in, in reality, this kid becomes God. That's what he does. At the end of the film, he screams the name, everything goes pitch black, and he's in Fantasia. There is no name that is that word. That's probably why they covered it up. They probably did a bunch of them, and they were like, this, none of this works. We'll just cover it up. Because, I mean, honestly, uh, what if it was Susan? Like, like truly, what if it was Susan? He screams Susan. That yeah. is as effective as, like, you know, Jehovah. Yeah. It, it's the same thing. It doesn't live yeah, up to anything. I get it. I get um, it. And then, yeah, I, so I, I have big, big issues with the end of this movie. Um, it, so what happens, Max? What happens in the end of this movie? Okay, so the Childlike Empress and Bastion have this weird... Um, uh, sexual moment in the darkness is that where they're like playing with this little grain of sand um, well, it's to represent the beginning of a new yeah and in the beginning it's a pretty image there was boning mm. what happens in the dark cm anyway um why uh, are you doing it in the dark are you ashamed of your body no, no okay it's, it's it's a nice moment it's it's fine it's nice okay uh we find out that um uh the way to recreate fantasia bring everything back is that just by Bastion making wishes. His wishes fuel the creation of this world. How many wishes do I get? As many as you want. So all of a sudden then we have, his wish is to, uh, I guess, ride Falcor and, and discover Fantasia and see Fantasia. And then he makes another wish to fucking like murder these bullies and with fear. He doesn't murder them, but he does go into present day 1984 city land, like city world. He wishes Falcor to be in this world. To scare people. To take vengeance on these bullies. He does. crazy. He does. And everyone in this world sees Falcor, so you know it's not just, yeah, they are flipping out. Someone screams monster. I'm thinking this is another movie. This This is part two, the, the, the revenge of, of Bastion. Totally. Like it's dark. Like he goes, he takes a dark turn with, with the power. Now I know that this movie had sequels. This movie has two possible outcomes after the actual movie ends. Mm -hmm. One, uh, this kid is nuts. He is committed to an asylum. They find him drooling and, you know, jerking off in the the attic. attic, Just like, you know, he needs to be heavily medicated. Done. I need to save Fantasia. And they're like, no, you're going to the crazy bin. Which then eventually he becomes a serial killer. What? As he's older. Okay, now you're being crazy. That's great. Second outcome. This actually happens and he becomes like, it's like that episode of um, uh, The Twilight Zone where the kid can like make anything happen. And he like turns and everyone's afraid of him. He becomes a dictator. He controls the world. He's the godchild. Oh, that's weird. It's the only two outcomes. But yeah, that ending just it derails it. Yeah. Like, why is everyone seeing this dragon? Why are they chasing these kids? 
Like, what? Did he learn nothing? He became vengeful. Yeah, he's he starts the movie off, like, fearful and not wanting to address his problems, and he goes, like, full on 180 to the extreme. Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna kill everyone. They're all my problems. And now you've blurred the line between fantasy and reality. All of a sudden, everyone can see Falcor. Yeah. I would love for the sequel is that he actually does become the godchild, and the bookshop owner comes back and he's like the leader of the resistance. Yeah. And he's like, I made a huge mistake. You know, this child was not ready for this. Uh, we have to take him down. And like the father's part of the resistance too. Well, the and father like, and, and this idea that Bastion went on these adventures to only return home later, like his father must have been looking for him. That's a whole thing too. It's like you've left your dad who's mourning just as much as you are all alone. Well, he comes back. He's almost 20, running away from his hours. problems by running around Fantasia. Yeah, and it's funny because I was actually remembering the sequel a bit. Um, I thought I remembered the dad coming back and being like, where's my kid? My kid's not here. But I think that happens in the second one. Yeah, yeah. which none of the original actors, I think, except for Atreyu are back because all the kids by the time that second one was produced and made, was everyone was too old. Yeah. So like, they the, changed a lot of the people. I think the dad is John Wesley's ship, if I'm not mistaken. Not sure. Uh, I don't remember. I could be wrong. Anyway. I know the kid is from Ladybugs and... Um, uh, Sequest. Sequest! Yeah, that kid. That, that kid. Rest in peace, whatever that kid's Aww. name is. Um, yeah. that's, and that's the movie. That's the movie. Like, I still love it. Don't get, me, don't get me wrong. Like, in the end, I still love the movie. How do you feel? Seeing it now, like, what is... How are you feeling about the movie now that you've seen it? This movie's probably... Out of all the ones that we've watched so far, it's the one I'm the most unsure about because there are moments like the rock creature having that that beautiful, quiet moment of failure. Um, just the the design of this movie is breathtaking. No, it's gorgeous. I, I don't know um, uh, who like what else this director um, did <clears throat> or the you know the like creative directors of the movie in general, but oh my God, I hope they were nominated for everything. It's beautiful. <laughs> But there are huge issues with this movie with, I think, a better writer could be fixed. Yeah. And I don't know, when you're making this movie so deep anyway, I don't know how they didn't address these problems in production. Well, so that leads me to, first of all, I love this movie, but it leads me to finding out a few little tidbits about what was going on in the background. Cool. What some of the things are. So in the end, when this movie all wrapped, Michael and the writer did not like this adaptation of it. Mm. He actually wanted his name removed and for them to change the title of the movie. They almost never like the adaptations. Yeah. So he, he took him to court, tried to sue them, give him a lawsuit or whatever. And so in the end... They agreed to remove his name from the opening so you don't see that it just says written by, which I think features one of the names of the guy who translated it to English. Um, they kept his name. Um, they kept the title. He, they won that in court because they probably paid for it so that there's nothing he could, the writer could do about that. But then they put his name at the end of the film. So his name, the actual writer's name, pops up at the end. But he really did not approve of this. The second thing is, is that in the book, it's not Fantasia, it's Fantastica. Oh, that, that was which a good is, edit. Yeah, that which was a good is like, ugh. Fantastica. You know, eh, not so much. Also, speaking to how... That's like, a stripper name. Fantastical. My name is Fantastical. Anyways, so here's a fun little fact. Atreyu was supposed to be painted green. He's a green person in the book. I... And they tried the makeup and they're like, mm, not so much. Not a green person. We're not you doing can, that. You can make that work now, as we oh, see with like Gamora. Totally. That actually would be a great edit. Because the thing is, he they went the Native American route. And you... 
he's not Native American. That's the problem with any time they say yeah. the natives. Like, remember years ago when they did the Peter Pan movie and they cast um, a white girl as, like, um, oh, uh, 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 Tiger Lily? Yes. The problem is she's a Native Neverland person. She's not a Native American. Yeah. So the reality is this doesn't exist. You can do whatever the hell whatever you, want. you want. Yeah. It's the same thing here. Don't go into that trap. Make him green they or, trap or do something. Do and people something. of the plains, they could have done like a foresty type thing with him. Totally. Um, anyways, so for the next thing, we were running out of time. But I want to say that one of the few things that like really caught my eye was that, do you know who now has the Orin necklace? It's sitting in a box in somebody's house. Uh, actor, director? It's going to be a director. Um, I don't know if he still has it, but at this point where I read facts and everything, he had it. Guillermo del Toro? No, but that's a, that would be a good and one. He's the one I know with kind of like Steven a Steven Spielberg. Oh, okay. Isn't that random? Um, did he produce? Uh, that I don't know. I bet you he produced this He movie. probably had a tie to it of some yeah, sort. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was also one of the highest or uh, the most expensive films produced in Germany at the time. Mm. And the childlike empress, do you know um, she was a dancer? She looks like a dancer. Mm-hmm. So she was in drama school. I mean, she auditioned for, she was in drama classes in LA. And when she auditioned for the movie, she thought it was a play. And then she found out, oh, crap, it's a motion picture. How old was she? Uh, at the time of filming, she was 11 years old. Oh. 11 years old. weird and L.A. kids. They just put them into that machine so early. She was Iranian-born Israeli-American. Oh, shout out to my Jews. There you go. That's your people. That's my people's right and there. And the second thing, the last thing that I'll say is the music is meh. And I'm a huge person about music if you've listened to the podcast. Well, it turns out that the German version of this film does not feature that theme song in the opening. It doesn't have the 80s theme song. And there's no techno-pop elements to the to the music. It is just orchestral music composed by Klaus Doldinger. So now it's my mission to find that soundtrack because I want to hear what that sounds like. Because I'm sure it's epic and gorgeous. Not this... Like techno 80s thing. Which is nice. It's of its time. I get it. I think it's wonderful. But it's a fantasy. Go for it. Do the orchestral. Guys, do you have an issue with what CM just said? Fight Tweet me on us. it. Fight me. I revisit and ruin. Anywho, so I still love this movie. Yeah. Um, I do. I don't know if I, I'll rewatch it because I don't watch it very, rewatch it very often because it is very sad. It's a dark movie. Yeah. It's not a happy movie. I think that it's decent. Um... Are we talking about uh, Should it be remade? R.I.P.? Yeah, it's okay. that time. Are we going to remake it, reboot it, or okay. are we, should we just R.I.P., let it be? Um, I was thinking this because my first thought is, the, where my brain went was, if you're going to reboot it, reboot it, who's leading it? And there's really only one option. You're it's, talking about the young actor or no, the director? Um, director. Okay. It's Guillermo del Toro. That's an obvious choice. Well, it's it's kind of an obvious choice for a reason. Everyone, Guillermo del Toro is like the only person who does like straight up fantasy, but like with that kind of like beautiful like folklore imagery, right? Everyone Agreed. else makes it very like Americanized. Even Peter Hollywood. Jackson? Yeah, I, I think it's a, still like Peter Jackson's... I don't know. I, I don't think the Lord of the Rings movies couldn't have been done by someone else, personally. Yeah. Controversial, maybe. But, like, there's something about it which is still, like, not quite there. I wanted to see Guillermo del Toro do The Hobbit mm. because I wanted to see it go even, like, further, further into that in. world yeah. in every way, right? I think he leads it. But the thing is, he already kind of did that with Pan's Labyrinth. And honestly, oh, yeah. it's a better movie. 
It's a better movie, it is. So, do you reboot it? No. I think you let it die. I think that's it. You let it be a classic of its time and yeah. just leave it alone? Yeah, I don't, no, I don't think you reboot this. I would have to say that for my... For my uh, taste, I would like to keep it as is. It's something that I like to revisit with my kids at some point when I have children of my own. God forbid. Age. God forbid. Kill it. Uh, oh my God, you can't <laughs> say stuff like that. Why not? They don't actually exist. Edit. Anyways, <laughs> like they, so it's something that I would want to revisit. So I would hate to see it be remade, but at the same time, I would like to see it be remade if somebody like Guillermo del Toro could take it and like really just, you know, flesh it out. But can you imagine how awful it would be when you would eventually see the redesign of Falcor? Oh. There's no way you'd be satisfied. No, and it no would be way. a CGI thing, and like, mm -hmm. I'm just so tired of seeing CGI so much. I and get it. And then you have the backlash because they cast, like, you know, some not Native American actor as a Treyu, even though. Those he's... people didn't read the book, exactly. and they have no idea what they're talking about. I think it's just like there are so many, uh, so many things that really are going against doing a reboot, and I think a better movie has already been made that is close enough to this in Pan's True. Labyrinth. So, like, True. just let it be. Don't don't worry about it. Yeah, Done. let's let's put it to rest. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's my take. That's yeah. your take. I still love it. Anyway, guys, that was it. Uh, us uh, revisiting the never-ending story. Uh, as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on, and please leave us a review. We're rocking one very wonderful review on iTunes right now from uh, Meatball Club or something like that. Uh, thank you so much, Meatball Club. Keep those meatballs rolling. Uh, <laughs> um, you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Revisit and Ruin or write us at Revisit and Ruin at gmail.com. CM, truly the story of this podcast is never ending and I can't wait to see where it goes. What? The never ending story. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. I'll try you. <laughs>